You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Without further ado, Anthony DeComo joins me now. You can see him all over MLB, MLB.com, covering the Mets. Uh, Anthony, welcome in. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. Obviously, a big news on, on Jacob DeGrom, right? Hi, Anita. Yeah, it's uh, uh, huge news if you're a Mets fan. Um, huge news if you're a baseball fan. Uh, no one wants to see arguably the best pitcher in the game get hurt and, and you know, to be looking at a at a timetable where realistically if everything goes great, you know, maybe you're you're talking about the beginning of June. That's not ideal for the Mets. It's not ideal for baseball. Everyone wants to see this guy out there pitching. So just a kind of a no good, very bad day yesterday. For sure. And and so let's start first things first. Let's talk about the injury, right? Stress action. St- I'm sorry, stress, quote unquote, stressed reaction to the right scapula, a.k.a. the shoulder blade. It is a bone injury. It's not a soft tissue injury. We're being told that he's going to uh, be on the show for four weeks to reevaluate. But Anthony, I've done some research here. I went back and, and, and looked at some of the, the other pitchers in Major League Baseball who've had this injury. And really, the majority of guys have been out for a minimum of four months. So what do you know about the injury, and what are your expectations in regard to how long you think Jacob deGrom is, is going to be on the shelf? Yeah, I, I spoke to a, to a shoulder specialist yesterday um, who kind of said the same thing. He said, uh, you know, this is a bone injury. This is an overuse injury, um, as many pitching injuries are. And so I guess you could take it one of two ways. The good news is that it's not – a muscle injury. It's not a ligament injury. It's not the type of thing where you say, oh gosh, this guy's going to have to have surgery and he's going to be out for a year. Um, but on the other hand, an overuse injury is bad news for someone whose job is to, you know, as Buck Walter says, kind of violently jerk your arm down a hundred times a day for, you know, once a week for, for a whole season. So it's not a natural movement. It's not great. And the only thing that you can really do um, to cure it is rest. And, you know, rest is something that I, I guess the Mets can afford right now because it's early. Season hasn't even started yet. Better to happen now than to happen, you know, mid-season, late season. Um, but it does mean that you're going to be without Jacob DeGrom for quite some time. And, and the other factor here is that this is not necessarily an isolated instance. While this is the first time DeGrom has dealt with an injury of this nature, um, you know, really it's been on and off, off and on for the past two years, elbow, shoulder, back, lat, um, kind of everything in that kinetic chain that can go wrong has gone wrong. So the natural question to ask yourself is, is it realistic to think that Jacob DeGrom will ever be able to be fully healthy now in his mid-30s, will ever be able to give you a full 30-plus start season again? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I know the Mets people are hopeful. I know Jacob DeGrom is certainly hopeful, but it, it's probably foolish to sit here and say definitively yes yeah it it was something I I talked about when I opened up the show right like like our bodies are not made uh with this type of movement and to and to throw a ball 100 miles an hour uh you know every every five to six nights um for in in the longevity I I was I was actually 33 years old I, I actually thought DeGrom was was a little bit younger than that, um, you know. So no spring chicken there. And, and as you pointed out, the history of of injuries. Um, so therefore, I, I want to talk about the future in regard because I know there's a, p- a potential that he's going to opt out next year. I want to put that that on the shelf for a second, uh, and I want to continue to talk about the Mets this year 
and what that means for them. Obviously, Landing Scherzer is huge. He's going to be the opening day starter uh, on Thursday against the Nats. But talk about this rotation and what look like while DeGrom is uh, is going to be inactive. Well, look, we've just spent the past month kind of with the baseball world pumping up the Mets and, uh, you know, the ceiling of this team. This is a World Series caliber team. I think, you know, the baseball world is kind of in agreement on that. And yet yesterday, I think everyone kind of got a rude wake-up call uh, of the floor of this team, which is also quite low because they're reliant to such a great extent on DeGrom and on Max Scherzer. And not only did... You know, we have that terrible Jacob DeGrom news yesterday, but, you know, it came out that Max Scherzer's dealing with a mild hamstring thing. He should be fine. He's pitching in actually less than an hour here out on the backfields, and he should be good to go for opening day. But I think the whole point of me bringing this up is that it opens everyone's eyes to, oh, wait a second, we're relying so much on Jacob DeGrom, who's 33, we'll be 34 soon. We're relying so much on Max Scherzer, who's 37 and has had his own aches and pains uh, pop up quite a bit over the past three years. If either one of these guys go down, it's going to make our path to the World Series for the postseason a lot harder. If both of them go down, then this team could be in pretty serious trouble. Uh, Not that there are not quality arms behind them, but you're talking about two of the best pitchers in the game. You're talking about the two reasons why MLB.com just ranked all the rotations in baseball 1 through 30, and the Mets clocked in at number one. And they clocked in at number one because they had Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. If they don't have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, it's a lot harder argument to make that this is an elite rotation. And if they don't have an elite rotation, it's a lot harder argument to make that they have an elite team. So it's just the ripple effects of this kind of thing are, 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 pretty, are pretty significant. Uh, they do have Steve Cohen's deep pockets. They do have you know, a revamped front office and all this thing. And they will be aggressive. And the roster you have right now, it's not the roster the Mets are going to have in July. But all that being said, you do want to go out and get have a good start. And this isn't a great start to doing it without Jake DeGrom. So, so the, the first, let's just say, for the, fir- the first four weeks, we know that he's going to be shut down for four weeks. How do you see, what, what's your one through five? What, how are you seeing this, this rotation pan out? Yeah, I think Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett are your pretty clear number one and number two now without Jacob DeGrom. And, uh, you know, we all know who Scherzer is, three-time Cy Young Award winner, one of the best pitchers in the game. Bassett, I, I think, has opened a lot of eyes this spring. Um, you know, coming into camp late after the Mets traded for him, uh, he has done nothing but throw up zeros. He has looked great. So I think there's a lot of optimism that he can kind of be that rock in the rotation, that guy who maybe isn't the flashiest in the world but can really help you out there. And then, Beyond those two, you've got uh, you know two guys who should be in that rotation: and Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, two veterans, both coming off off-season surgeries, both coming off uneven 2021 seasons. So uh, I think there's hope that these guys can get back to their career norms and, and give you some consistency. But there are question marks attached to those two. And then finally, number five, the Mets are going to have to choose the, the three names that you know team officials talked about yesterday were Tyler McGill. David Peterson and Trevor Williams, uh, all of whom are stretched out to varying degrees, can help you immediately. Uh, my money is on Tyler McGill. He's had an excellent camp. He's looked great. The stuff has been great. He throws hard. He's, he's another guy who has put up nothing but zeros since camp has begun. So I'd be somewhat surprised if anyone other than McGill um, you know, wins that number five spot coming out of spring training. Uh, so the Mets are okay right now. But, again, it's uh, no disrespect to any of those guys without Jacob DeGrom. 
you're taking a step back. Again, Anthony DeComo joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see his work all over MLB.com covering all things Mets. What is this bullpen? Give me an idea of what this bullpen looks like and, and how would you rank this bullpen in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I, I would say it's solid, if unspectacular. Uh, you know, I do, I'm very high on Edwin Diaz. I know a lot of fans are still kind of grousing about, uh, A, the trade that brought him here, but B, that really bad 2009 season that he had. Uh, he's been much better of late, and he wasn't as good last year as he was in 2020. Um, but the underlying numbers kind of suggest that, he, that Edwin Diaz maybe got a little unlucky last year. So I have no real concern about Edwin Diaz at the back. He's your closer. He's probably going to be a pretty good one. He's probably going to, if not lead the league in saves, be right up there among the leaders. Um, the rest of the bullpen is very similar to what we saw last year. The Mets essentially replaced Jarius Familia with Adam Adovino. Um, you know, theoretically, that could be an upgrade for you, but maybe not a significant one. Seth Lugo is going to play a big role. Trevor May is going to play a big role. Miguel Castro is going to play a big role. Um, you know, the one place we have worry is from the left side because the Mets really received a historic season last year from Aaron Loop, who was so, so good over the course of the summer, and they didn't do a ton to replace him. Uh, Jason Shreve, who was on the team in 2020, is back. He will almost certainly make the team and be that primary lefty coming out of camp. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see the Mets add more as the season progresses. Maybe not right now, but uh, you know, if they're having issues in that area midseason around the deadline, I-, I could see them certainly adding some lefty help to bolster this bullpen. Look, you mentioned Steve Cohen. You mentioned the owner. Deep pockets, uh, very aggressive, wanting to win a World Series here for the Mets. Uh, looking at, at, at some of the possible trade options out there, let's say, hypothetically speaking, if DeGrom is is worse than than, than expected. Um, Castillo, uh, Manaya, Montas, uh, you know, obviously the, the relationship between uh, the Mets front office and the A's front office is, is quite solid. Uh, do you see that being a play here as well? Yeah, I, I do think the Mets will be aggressive in trying to add more starting pitching. There's some rumblings this morning about Chris Paddock with the Padres possibly coming to New York. I, you know, I think the Mets, if they want to add starting pitching, and they probably should just to get out in front of it, because if you remember last trade deadline, the Mets wanted to add starting pitching then, and they really struggled to do it, despite Steve Cohen, Steve Pockets. Um, the Mets still have a below-average farm system. They don't have a lot of prospects that they're willing to trade, and that is the one area where you get into a trade deadline situation where there's a lot of demand for starting pitching, not a ton of supply typically, at that time of year, you can quite easily get outbid by other teams that have deeper prospects. We saw the Dodgers do it last year. We saw the Blue Jays do it last year and kind of taking away some of the options that might have been good for you. Um, so I, I, I do think it would behoove the Mets to get out in front of this and, and maybe add a little pitching now, even if they feel like they don't necessarily need it. I think that's part of what you're seeing with these trade talks that could bring Chris Paddock to New York. But, um, yeah, I, I very much subscribe to the belief that you can never have enough pitching. And we saw it last year. We've seen it for a while now with these Mets. As good as you think you're set up, all it takes really is one or two injuries, and then all of a sudden you get dragged back to the pack and you're no better than everyone else. Um, Anthony, let's look big picture here in, remar- in, 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 in regard to the division, right? Like, um, is it safe to say that this is a, a three-team race with Atlanta and the Phillies? I, I like what the Phillies have done this hot stove season. Um, what are your thoughts in regard to with, with DeGrom, as we know, is going to be on the shelf for the next four weeks? I was looking at the schedule. 
the Mets have quite a few games against the Phillies um, all the way through May. They're the one team in this division that they play the most in that time frame. Uh, what are your expectations, big picture here with this division? Yeah, the Phillies are a good team. I, I would still put them maybe a, a half step below the Mets and the Braves, who who remain even with this Degrom injury. To me, they remain the class of the division. Um, you know, I think the Nationals are, are really going to struggle this year. They're probably your last place team. I think the Marlins are, are pretty clearly your fourth place team, um, but they're going to be pesky. They can throw a pretty good pitcher at you most nights, and you know they're not going to be an easy out when you play them. But yeah, in terms of who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to uh, you know have a chance at this thing, I think you have to put the Braves number one. They were probably already there by a small margin before the Degrom injury, and now that Degrom is hurt, you know I think the the Braves once again become the team to beat pretty clearly. And then it's it's you right there. It's the Mets. It's at number two. Um, but don't sleep on the Phillies. They're a good team. They've mm-hmm. been aggressive in adding back to this offseason. They've tried to fix the bullpen, which has been a major problem for them in years past. So, yeah, it's and that's why I say, you know, you need a good start because you do have all these division games early. The schedule is unbalanced. It can work against you in that way. If you come out cold, if you come out, you know, woe is me, we don't have Jacob DeGrom for the first two months, well, all of a sudden these teams could build a lead on you, and then it becomes very difficult to make up ground in the second half. So it, it is a three-team race in my eyes, and um, you know any one of those three, Mets, Phillies, Braves, could win it. Exactly. Uh, Anthony, uh, just big picture before I let you go, and that is there's talk and speculation that DeGrom is going to try to opt out in 2023, although he has said that you know he would love to uh, have just one team uh, be – who he's played for in his entire career. I know he's scheduled to make $33.5 million. Um, but, you know, how do you feel that this this organization moves forward with, A, the amount of money that, that he's going to uh, be worthy of, uh, his age and the in the injury history, knowing that you're only, you only get him once every five or six days? Like, you know, what, what do you think that the organization does moving forward, especially if this injury is, is something more significant? Well, Anita, there's a reason why the Mets had no interest in, in extending Jacob DeGrom or talking contract with Jacob DeGrom this offseason, this spring training. And it's, it's not because they don't love Jacob DeGrom. Of course they do. It's because there's no real incentive to, especially with his injury history, because if something popped up like something just popped up, well, then all of a sudden it doesn't make sense to commit longer term to a guy you're already committed to when you're not sure about his health situation going forward. So... Um, you know, I, I think you have to let this play out. And I know Jacob DeGrom said, I'm going to opt out of my contract. But if he doesn't pitch this year, or he doesn't pitch well, or he only gives you a few starts down the stretch, whatever it might be, uh, well, then all of a sudden those hundreds of millions that could have been awaiting him in free agency won't be awaiting him. And he's going to have to think long and hard about just settling in and, and sticking with the contract that he has and not giving up guaranteed tens of millions of dollars. I mean, look at what's happened with Michael Conforto this winter, not accepting the qualifying offer, which seemed like a no-brainer for him at the time. Now he's dealing with a shoulder injury. He's finding it very hard to get paid. So you never want to see a player go through that. And, um, you know, again, as defiant as Jacob DeGrom was in saying, I will opt out at the end of this year, you know, I don't think that's a guarantee. And I think this past couple of days have shown us the types of things that can happen. So um, I know people want answers now, but the reality is both sides, it's going to behoove both sides to just play out the season, see what happens, see how his health is, and then make 
the best decision possible after the season ends. Anthony, great stuff. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. You got it. Anytime, Anita. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.